Hello and welcome to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk. I'm Keith Manconi. This month's deadly magnitude 6.4 earthquake that struck southern Taiwan prompted a massive rescue effort with hundreds racing against time to locate survivors trapped in the rubble of the toppled Weiguan Jinlong building. That effort came to an end last week after all the building's residents were accounted for, leaving the disaster's final death toll at 117. But now that the immediate rescue effort has closed, the big question still remains. Was this disaster preventable? And if so, does it reveal any holes in Taiwan's earthquake preparedness? Well, I took these questions to one of Taiwan's leading experts on earthquakes and disaster prevention. Dr. Wei Sun Li is the Secretary General of the National Science and Technology Center for Disaster Reduction. To start out the conversation, he drew my attention to one of the issues in the collapse. The investigation has revealed that walls and pillars had been removed from the building's first story, allegedly to make space for an electronics store. Now, in this case, there's some dispute as to when those alterations were made and by whom. But Dr. Lee told me these kinds of changes are something we see in buildings across Taiwan, and they can leave the buildings quite a bit weaker. I think uh, easily you can observe a lot of the shop at the fourth floor in most cities in Taiwan. Uh, those people, especially business people, they want open space. They always want to know work at the first floor can create a very good view for customers. But in that case, the first floor is relatively weak compared to the floor upper. So whenever it suffered a huge ground motion, it probably formed a kind of, we call it, the weak story and even caused some the deadly collapse. So from the owner or from the builder, we must consider sufficient shear capacity at each floor then when earthquake hit, the building can survive. Usually, we will take uh, consider for several parts for the good seismic design, strong color, weak beam, and sufficient shear wood to take shear force. So for the older building core, maybe the, the de- designer not consider so well. But according to current knowledge, we should emphasize the three elements to protect the people's life and property. When we think, though, about the Weiguan Jinlong building in Tainan, which was, of course, uh, the most deadly collapse to occur from the earthquake, um, some of these changes to the building structure occurred uh, many years after the building uh, was constructed. You know, we hear about some of the columns in the first floor being removed. Uh, So what do we do then? I mean, uh, is this something that the government can really control, or is the responsibility here really on the developers and the owners? I think first, Every owner or every resident, when you want to remodel your space, you must consider, did you change the structural member of the building? Uh, for a Jinlong uh, case, actually, apparently, according to report of today's newspaper, they removed several wards from a certain floor, like, of course, the forest system, forest transmission system change. So, actually, we hope in the future, when owner or the resident want to remove some ward in your space, you must find kind of good technician to have evaluation about the seismic capacity of the building is still sufficient, and your the modification will not endanger other safety. So this is kind of the social consensus must have 
when we learn from the consequence of this earthquake. So not just government. I think to reduce the impact from earthquake is everyone's job. Now, uh, another issue that this recent disaster really raises is this uh, issue. Uh, it's being called soil liquefaction. Uh, and basically the idea here is that some areas that the soil is a little bit looser uh, and it, it when an earthquake occurs, uh, this phenomenon called soil liquefaction uh, is a result. Uh, and, and that's being blamed for why this earthquake was so devastating in Tainan. Now, we've heard this term thrown around a lot, uh, but uh, I'm not sure that I have a complete grasp on it. Can, can you help uh, explain exactly what this term means? Yes, about soil liquefaction, actually three elements to form soil liquefaction. First two are nature elements, like sand layers, high water ground table, and the last one is strong ground motion. For this time in Tainan area, we observed some liquefaction sites in Annan district because once a lot of fish found there. So there is high ground water table. But uh, this time in the Tainan, actually, of course, we observed some cases of liquefaction. But most of other damage, severe damage, are still structure member failures. And to prevent liquefaction, actually, through the construction method, there are several approaches to reduce, even to prevent liquefaction. Liquefaction, of course, will endanger to your building, but through the engineer approach, we can solve kind of problem in advance, like we, we improve your ground uh, foundation, or we use a higher foundation to increase the capacity of your building against liquefaction. Right now, I mean, we're hearing a lot about uh, efforts to kind of map out areas that uh, have high soil liquefaction, identifying those areas. Um, and do you think that once we've completed this mapping out process and identified all the high-risk uh, areas, are there some areas that we should just say, well, maybe there shouldn't be any buildings there, or, or is this something that we can cope with? First, risk map is not equal to immediate dangers. Risk map only a kind of good risk communication tools to remind you you have to pay attention to possible risk in the future. So like I said, if we know high risk of a certain area, of course we can take some engineering approach to reduce the impact. And uh, like I explained previously, three elements to form liquefaction. And uh, currently, uh, I think the map is going to be released in March, only give you some in, uh, some uh, a draft idea about the area to possibly have liquefaction. We still need further study to understand, understand the details of the site you are living now. So even though after the map release, you live in a high-risk area, it not mean you're going to have liquefaction in next earthquake. There's still precondition to decide your risk. But however, to release kind of risk map, I think is the good way we try to communicate with the uh, the society. Not just about strong ground shaking, but oh, we must pay attention to where you live, especially beneath the floor, beneath the ground. You should also pay attention to. The the last main kind of risk issue or problem 
uh, that this earthquake sort of revealed in Taiwan that I really want to hit on today uh, is this issue of old buildings. Of course, uh, we know that a lot of Taiwan's buildings were built decades and decades ago. Uh, and when they were built, the, the standards for construction just weren't quite as high as the standards are now. Uh, and so we're hearing uh, that the Ministry of the Interior is planning to do lots of assessments and try to identify uh, where these buildings are, where these high-risk buildings are, you know, all across Taiwan. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about uh, what has changed uh, between, you know, the building standards decades ago and now, and why that would pose such a concern? Uh, structural engineers knows earthquake actually uh, almost from the last century, especially use engineering approach to solve the problem. So we continuously upgrade the building courts. In Taiwan, we introduced the building courts since the 1970s. With the more earthquake we have, we continuously improve the court, especially after the Chichi earthquake in 1999. We make the huge change about the uh, structural design, especially for the beam and column design we emphasized strong column and weak beam to ensure we have good mechanism to withstand earthquake force. But like you mentioned, for the old and existing building, they could over 100,000 of building right now in Taiwan. So with this opportunity, especially we call it the window of opportunity, so people should think, first, we should really pay attention to, to survey safety of our building especially how we use the building. Do we have any open space, especially uh, a kind of the uh, market under beneath your building? Or during your buying a new home, did you do any uh, uh, modification of your room? So for consider the several reasons, you will understand how to get prepared for the earth, next earthquake like I mentioned at the beginning, to reduce impact from earthquake is everyone's job. Please, starting from your home, that is a fundamental thing. All right. And uh, kind of the last thing that I want to touch on, because uh, it brings us more into looking towards the future, uh, is we also heard this week calls from both major parties, both the KMT and the DPP, uh, for bringing the issue of earthquake preparedness and disaster preparedness uh, into the front and center in this new uh, legislative session. So uh, proposals from both sides for what should be done by the legislature, new laws that should be passed uh, to promote earthquake preparedness. I mean, and they're talking about more oversight for construction and also higher standards uh, for some buildings. Uh, what do you think are the steps that the legislature really should be taking? Uh, the, and, and I know that you said, you know, a lot of the responsibility does lie with uh, building owners and occupants and uh, really everybody in Taiwan. But just thinking from the perspective of the government for a second, what uh, should they really be focusing on when they bring this issue in uh, in the next session? I think especially for kind of impact from earthquake. First, I think our government should provide some scenario to remind everyone if a big one hits, how about the consequence? Like in Japan, Japanese government update kind of the scenarios to their citizens almost every two or three years to tell them if the big one hits a condo area about a death tour, about time to restore public utility. So 
no matter government and the resident must understand what kind of risks they are experiencing now. This is called the scenario. Second step, no matter central and government or local government, according to kind of scientific study, they should promise to meet the gap. Because from the current the standard of the city of the seismic capacity, there, is, there should be a gap. But by what time scale government and no matter central or local government can fix the gap, can meet the demand. Uh, another good, good way I think the government should think about is to design, redesign kind of the uh, emergency response system. Consider have a group of professional uh, commander respond for the uh, emergency operation. Uh, according to the uh, uh, current configuration, we have the good system for the typhoon, but the problem is when a sudden onset disaster hit, how we have experienced and professional team to deal with the consequence is another thing we have to, to, to think about. Two specific proposals uh, that we heard, though, from the KMT uh, is, on the one hand, they're calling for more oversight uh, when a building is constructed. They're saying, you know, somebody who isn't involved in the deal really needs to be looking at the construction project and certifying that, uh, and also higher standards, higher construction standards. Uh, And so they're saying those are two proposals that they want to see passed into law. Uh, Do you think that those are uh, the most important steps right now? To ensure the uh, construction detail is also important, you know, not just the good design. We need the good construction detail. So that means we should have the professional people to help to monitor the construction process, make sure construction workers follow the design and to build the structure. <laughs> so kind of thing is very, very, very important to have the kind of third-party make sure to verify the construction process. And about the higher standard, actually, uh, according to this time, the time history record, the earthquake in Tainan is not as big as the Chichu earthquake. Uh, but the problem is we have to review kind of the uh, response spectrum in Tainan district, especially according to the record. This time, the ground shaking uh, was even larger than it suffered during the Chichu earthquake. So I think, first thing, our government have to, to review the response spectrum in each district to look at those design spectrum. It fit for a new structure design. But I still have to emphasize about old and existing building. There are really problems. For a new building, they, if they follow the new construction court, I think most of them are sufficient to survive from the next earthquake. So it's really a matter of uh, enforcement and developers really uh, following those rules. Yep. All right, those were all my questions. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to add? If everyone has time, if you, when you take the subway, when you're driving, even when you are shopping, please save five minutes to think if an earthquake was hitting, how you respond, how you survive with strangers standing beside you, 
because we never know when earthquake happen. So give yourself a scenario. If an earthquake happen, how you respond to? So basically, uh, being aware of your surroundings and thinking through uh, that possibility in your daily life. Yes, because I cannot give kind of SOP, standard operation <laughs> procedure against earthquake attack, but I only can give some standard operation principles to escape attack from the next earthquake. So you have to think about where and how to respond to the next earthquake. Please spend maybe five minutes a month, create one scenario. A year, you got a 12 scenario. So gradually, you will know when earthquake hit, how you respond. All right. Well, we uh, have been speaking today to Dr. Wei Sun Lee. He is the Secretary General of the National Science and Technology Center for Disaster Reduction. Dr. Lee, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk. These interviews broadcast every Monday at 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. after the top of the hour newscast. You can also find them online on iTunes, the ICRT website. And uh, now we've started posting them to SoundCloud as well. You can look for them there. Just search Keith ICRT. And you can find me on Twitter. I tweet at Keith Menconi. I'll be giving updates on new ICRT content uh, as well as Taiwan news in general. That is it for the show today. We'll be bringing you some more extended type interviews in the next couple of days. That's something we've done in the past. I uh, haven't really had time for it recently, but we'll bring in you more of that very soon and hopefully sticking with it for some time to come. So uh, look for that in just a couple of days. Thank you for listening. For Taiwan Talk, I'm Keith Mancone.